This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White. Plymouth Argyle are off to Wembley for only the third time in our history. But will the championship-bound booze cruise hit the rocks? Pancake Day will now forever be known as Pizza Day as Argyle come from behind to beat Cheltenham Town on penalties, thanks in no small part to Callum Burton's heroics. But then Saturday came. A trip to the posh saw Argyle ship five as the rollercoaster form away from home this season shows no signs of slowing ahead of Charlton's visit to Home Park this weekend. This week, I'm joined by John Allsop. How are you, mate? Feeling better? Yeah, it's amazing that you can uh, just come out with that without writing it down. Incredible lyricism. Uh, yes, thank you. I'm feeling much better. I uh, had COVID last week um, and did not expect to make it out of isolation in time for yesterday's game and unfortunately uh, tested negative in time to attend. But yes, I'm feeling better. Thanks. Good, good to hear it. Joe, obviously you were feeling the weather as well. How are you? All good? Yeah, all good. Um, it will never be known as pizza day in my house. It will always be pancake day. Um, and I must say um, that was excellent work, given you've not made a single mistake through that intro. Um, no, very impressed. You, it's not the new microphone. You have blatantly been practising all afternoon on making sure that was spot on. I actually haven't, to be honest. I've literally written that on the way uh on my walk earlier uh and also sam down uh did you oh sam's still connecting to audio hello um yeah sorry i didn't say hello at the start i was having some technical difficulties hence i was constantly uh, coming on and off mute and video sorry shall we do our usual run through and go chronologically uh starting with the positives if there are any uh a win over cheltenham obviously sets up our trip to wembley who wants to take this one first john I can take this, but uh, Joe, did you? My understanding is that you watched the game, Joe. Uh, I didn't watch it live. Um, I was otherwise detained on Tuesday evening, but I did manage to rewatch the game at a later date just to see how our um, returning from injured players got on. Okay, and that and that's commensurate with boycotting the competition. How exactly? I know that Sam Down also uh, watched it live on Tuesday and said that he felt that uh, watching on TV did not count towards breaking the boycott of the pizza cup um which given that the boycott as far as i understand it is premised on statistics that demonstrate popularity tv viewership would seem to be one of those to me so i'm just curious before we get into the positives of the game how uh, the the uh, previously discussed boycott was satisfied by by the others in this podcast i can very easily answer that um quite simply that tv ratings aren't actually real that they're a construct that they the people are basically polled as to what they've watched on TV by is it the, the was it the the Rajar ratings is what it's called something like that. So basically, in, unless I'm polled as to what uh, I watched, which I wasn't, then <laughs> my viewership will not reflect in the TV ratings. Therefore, absolutely fine anyway. Either uh, even if I was polled, I think the boycott as stated by the organisers very clearly about going to games. Even if I was polled, I would still have felt very comfortable watching it on TV. But um, yeah, uh, I, I obviously did not go. I'm very pleased we won. But after having spent about a minute arguing why I, wasn't at, why I was in fact not breaking the boycott, 
I can confirm I will, in fact, be breaking the boycott for Wembley. So there we go. Yeah, Sam, Sam is actually going to be jumping the turnstile a la the Euros final at Wembley so that his attendance isn't counted there either. Um, <laughs> also commensurate with not boycotting the game. Going, going back to your original question to me, John, at the start of all this shenanigans about my anti-boycotting stance in re-watching the game back, this is your own precious time you're wasting here talking about nonsense. Aaron asked me to, to about the game, so we're going to be talking about nonsense one way or another. So talk about um, the bloody game then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did watch it on television, um, laid up with, with COVID at home. I thought that you can look at it one of two ways, I guess. On, on the one hand, you could see it as perhaps more evidence after Fleetwood in the league at home that we struggled to break down a kind of difficult, resolute side um, who are lower in the table. Um, I did mention on the podcast last week, I think, you know, the question mark as to whether that's going to be a recurring theme between now and the end of the season with those home games against teams who are lower down in the league. Um, Cheltenham, you know, although we've beaten them twice in the league, I, I felt were no mugs. You know, I think both of those games were were actually pretty difficult. Certainly the home game more difficult than a 4-2 scoreline would suggest. So, um, you know, on the one hand, you could see it that way. And there maybe is further evidence of a, a kind of sluggishness in terms of breaking down a, a team that, that came to frustrate us. On the other hand, you could see it as kind of a bit of a random cup game where they obviously wanted their day out at Wembley too. They came and, and played out of their skin a little bit and and thus gave us a harder game than they might have in, in a kind of one out of 46 league scenario. I'm not really sure which which of those is correct. Um, either way, I felt that our performance was a little bit lacklustre, um, a really poor error for the, for the goal um, from Callum Burton. Unfortunately, I think James Bolton at fault as well uh, as we kind of gave the ball to them and they funneled it to Alfie May who who slotted it in the corner. He had a very good game, I thought. Um, obviously a sensational finish, which he definitely meant, in my opinion, for Ryan Hardy to uh, to pull it level. Um, you know, classic Ryan Hardy. Anyone who's seen Ryan Hardy play before would, would, would recognise that as a Ryan Hardy, a quintessential Ryan Hardy finish kind of chipped uh, in, into the top corner from a from a very tight angle, um, and then yeah, obviously came down to penalties, which is you know which is a crapshoot to some extent. I do think you know mentality and, and preparation come into it. It would seem that preparation uh, did come into it in terms of Callum Burton being able to make those three saves. We won it, um, and we're going to a stadium in the London area in April, and I I for one will be there in the in the singing section uh, or, or close to it. Um, as 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 uh, advertised on the ticketing website. Is there anything else you want, Aaron? I don't know. That was a general rundown of the game. Do you want me to be more excited, or what? You know, what are we what are we talking here? No, I think that's a good uh, overview. I don't want to waste too much time on it. Obviously, you know, thank God. Successes, like I said, obviously, in our third trip to Wembley. So I'm just going to enjoy that bit, opposed to how we how we did or didn't beat Cheltenham Town. In, in truth, uh, obviously, the starting lineup saw Mayor thrust back into a starting berth. Uh, he was obviously excellent on the night. Um, appears to have recaptured his form. Uh, obviously, even notched before it was ruled out for Butcher's push on the keeper. Um, obviously, Ennis could have had a couple. Uh, Mayer and Hardy's, they both had disallowed finishes, obviously. Uh, Cosgrove rattles the bar. We, we had chances, we just couldn't finish our dinner. Is that is that something to be worried about? or? I'd, I'd be more worried if we weren't creating chances. Um, this is this has been my argument over the last. It, you know, we're, we're probably going to come on to it a little bit later on. This is always going to be my argument. I would worry the day we go through a game where we don't actually create anything. We created more than enough to beat Fleetwood. We didn't score. We created more than enough to beat Cheltenham. We didn't win it in normal time. Um, we created. You know, we'll, as I say, we'll come on to the rest later. The day we don't create chances is when I'm worried because if you buy as many tickets to the raffle, eventually you're going to win a prize, aren't you? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to completely agree with Joe on that. I think without I'm going to I'm going to bring the dreaded words that are, that are going to make some of the listeners uh, scream of XG into play here. Expected goals, I think. Those are letters, Sam. Aren't yes, they are. Well, whatever. Um, anyway, so mo most uh, analytics seems to show that to a more greater or lesser extent, certainly, uh, it, it certainly at the professional levels, finishing does even itself out. You will obviously have some exceptionally good finishes and some exceptionally bad finishes, but more often not. Um, what players presented with a certain type of chance are going to score at a, at a rate roughly equivalent to the average. Um, so I, I like Joe. I'd be far more concerned if you were if we weren't creating chances because I think a team that doesn't create many chances is a reflection on that team and, and how good or otherwise they are. A team that does create a lot of chances 
but just has a game of poor finishing like we had like we had against Cheltenham is 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 really nothing to worry about because that will even itself out of the time. I would disagree with Joe slightly in his statement that that applied to the Fleetwood game as well. I think the Fleetwood game we we did create chances, but there were quite low value chances. There wasn't really anything that was a real sort of um stone wall that we should have scored. I think there were a lot of sort of half chances. So I would agree with Joe that the Cheltenham gave a lot of reasons to be positive um in terms of the performance put in. I think the Fleetwood game less so. I think we should acknowledge that the, the fans who are excited about going to Wembley are not, you know, wrong to be excited about it. Certainly as someone who doesn't participate in the boycott myself, um, you know, I'll be there. It's not a competition that I care about. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think us winning or not is something I'm going to lose any sleep over. Um, but I'm excited about going. You know, it is a big occasion. Um, potentially, you know, we can take sort of thirty to 40,000 fans up. You know, the, the sense of excitement is, is palpable about it. And, you know, I think very simply you know, having a good day out as a football fan is sort of what it's all about. So I'm not, you know, I don't want us to come across as overly cynical, certainly myself, speaking for myself, I don't want myself to come across as overly cynical about this. I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a sense of knots in the stomach about it or anything, but um, I'm, I'm fully prepared to enjoy it as a, you know, as a cracking day out at the home of the home of English football. Yeah, I'm the same with John. I always said myself that I, I, I felt I probably would end up breaking the boycott if we got to Wembley. Let's be honest, I feel when, when we're going to probably take 35,000, I feel the extra or less one on the figure is, is much of a muchness, really. I, I will be going with a sense of pure excitement and, and rather than nervousness. I would obviously love to see us win a trophy. That's kind of why I'm going and, and, and the experience of Wembley and all of it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be far, far, far less nervous about that game than any of the remaining 14 league games. It's going to be a free hit. It's going to be a day out where I can watch a, a game of football without feeling nervous about the outcome. That was very much what Tuesday was watching it on Sky, a rare chance to enjoy watching Argyle play without being nervous about the league permutations. I think I, I only really felt nervous for the shootout. And even that was only a, a vague tingling in the stomach sense of nervousness. It wasn't the uh, slightly, shall we say, frenetic nervousness that I can sometimes demonstrate during league games, as John will surely testify to. So I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to go and I'm going to have a day out and hopefully bring a trophy home. I feel nervous watching every penalty shootout, even if it's a team I don't care about in a you know very small tournament. I think there's something inherently nerve-wracking about it. So yes, that's I'll very true. Yeah. I'll cop to also feeling nervous, but I'm not sure the extent to which it was driven by um, the Argyle fandom so much as the format. Anyway, Joe has uh, flashed up on his screen. We're still talking about this question mark, so I guess it's maybe time to move on to the happier pastures of London Road, Aaron. Without wishing to. No, no. There's still, there's still a few. There's still a few more questions I've got for for the, the game. Obviously, um, personally... <laughs> Joe for for listeners not happy about this. No, no. Just just want to touch on on just James Bolton really quickly. Obviously, back in back in from injury, um, and I, I was just thinking about whether if I was a centre back or if I was James Bolton, who was the last person in the EFL that I would want to face, and that would be Alfie May. Like it's just. He's always like scurrying about, hurrying, busy, quick. He's always. I think for me, for me, it would be Erling Haaland, probably. He's not the EFL, he said. Although it would still be, oh, okay. it would still be Ben Briet and Diaz, I think. So yeah. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, it just he just never seems to have like a bad game against us, and he's just like the sort of player that I would, I can imagine that is on our radar. Should should we go up? But obviously, I'm aware that we have a, a policy that might avoid. Um, his transfer. Anyway, and then the last one on this is obviously last season's final between Rotherham and Sutton saw Paul Chuckle and Tim Vine deliver the trophy on uh, pizza delivery mopeds. Uh, who would we like to see scooting out to represent us this season? Uh, a little list of uh, Josh Widdicombe, Dawn French, Woody from Bastille, Angela Rippon. Angela Rippon? Yeah, she's from Plymouth. Uh, research for this also taught me that Philip Schofield had his first foray into media with a Sunday show on Hospital Radio Plymouth, age 15. So uh, he could be uh, in contention. Jonathan Pierce. Yeah, I think Dawn French would be fantastic. I think she's a, she's a Janna icon, and I, and I think she'd um, she'd do a fantastic job. I think it would be great entertainment. Joe, I can imagine you're like a John Inverdale man. <laughs> Is that a serious question? or Personally, I think I'd go with Wayne Sleep. I think that'd be great. Pilgrim Pete on a unicycle. There's my answer. There you go. Take it. There's more questions about Pi 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 Face. Anyone? Um, no. no. <laughs> obviously, obviously, Bolton's list includes Vernon K, Paddy McGuinness, Sarah Cox, Peter K, 
Danny Jones, and I think he's from McFly or something, one of the boy bands. Yeah, maybe more of a Twitter post. What, what about the Bolton fan who uh, sang the Let's Have a Party, Let's Have a Ding Dong Do song a couple of seasons ago when they got promoted? <laughs> him, him and Woody from Bastille would be a real meeting of musical genius <laughs> minds. Especially, especially after... Especially after Tim Vine actually recorded a novelty Sutton song, uh, which I believe they went onto the pitch to last year. So I guess that's the qu- next question for Joe is, who is recording the uh, novelty Plymouth Argyle Cup final song and to, to, to follow in the footsteps of Rock Your Tambourine for the uh, Orange and Amber team, or, uh, Yellow and Amber team? Don't even know the colours of Sutton Strip. But Joe, who will be who will be rocking the tambourine for the Pilgrims uh, down Wembley Way, in your opinion? <laughs> It's, it's your own time you're wasting, John, with these stupid questions. I think there's only one answer to that, though, right? In, in the fact that it's Ricochet and Dave Banana. Absolutely. Absolutely. They've probably already got one written and ready to go. Okay, let's move on, obviously, to the the brilliant 5-2 loss. A shout-out to all the Cambridge Sheer Greens, uh, several of them popping up in our Twitter mentions over the weekend. So two draws and a 5-2 loss in our last three. Obviously, our, our third defeat in which we've shipped five this season. Which was your favourite defeat? Obviously, I, I, I jest. Who wants to dissect this hammering? Yeah, my favourite defeat was the, was the loss at Charlton when I was watching that from a hotel, from a uh, apartment complex bar in Turkey, rather than having to actually make the game like I was for the other two, unfortunately. So, anyway, um, sounds like a great use of your holiday. Well, it was, uh, it was uh, one of the people I was on holiday with without a date, so you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving on, moving on to the game. It was a, it was an absolutely shocking performance. Um, really dreadful for minute one. Even though we pulled a goal back before half time, that didn't really warrant how we played. We we were a little bit better after the double subs for a little while, but then we went right back downhill again. Um, re- really, I think only a three goal margin probably flatters us a, a little bit with how bad we play. We certainly shouldn't have made it any tighter than that. It was a so many stupid sloppy mistakes from everybody. Uh, defenders just have, having no awareness, have body shape very poor, people running past them as if they weren't there, lack of creativity, uh, too much long ball, not enough uh, actual, actual decision-making on the ball, just taking the easy option all the time and head, heads going down after conceding a goal. Um, just nothing really was, was done very well by anybody. Careless of the ball, sloppy, not attentive enough off the ball, not pressing enough. Just all the little things that that make that one percent difference were all against us. Go on, Joe. What's your take on it? Can anyone hear that? Yeah, that's the police coming to arrest Sam for criticising the team on Saturday. Okay, yeah, very amusing. Please do let Joe speak now. You seem to be covering it all tonight. I mean, am I actually needed, or do you want me to impart some wisdom? I don't know. Um, Sam's pretty much covered the whole thing, isn't he? I mean. You know, I, I wasn't there. I had to watch it back this morning on Argyle TV. Wish I hadn't. Um, I wish there were technical issues that they had last week um, that delayed the upload of the full match replay. Um, my biggest gripe is with the the, the brain-dead decisions that, that seem to really kill the afternoon. Um, the penalty on 16 minutes. Um, I know there was a lot made of it on social media that it was soft. Yeah, it probably was, but let's be frank here. The big discussion is why Saxon early, even given the referee decisions, mate, Poku's not getting anywhere near the ball. Saxon early's getting nowhere near the ball. That ball's just going to drift out of play. It's certainly going to drift out the other side of our box. Um, he gives the referee a decision to make, the referee makes it. Um, my biggest issue then is that we concede three minutes later. Where are the leaders on the pitch? Where's somebody on the pitch just telling them just calm it down for five minutes, get settled, get a foothold into the game, because actually we didn't really have one at that point. Um, and we went and committed the cardinal sin of conceding straight away. Um, and I couldn't care if we'd come back and won it from there. That was that was unforgivable to do that. Um, you can't give a side like Peterborough that leg up in the game. And then to go and score, to take the momentum into half time, and then to concede within 10 minutes of the second half is, you know, it's just we made so many poor mistakes and um, it was as bad a day at the office as we've had, I would say, when we finished a game with a full complement of players that we've had in a long time. My turn, I guess. With with Joe joining uh, Sam in jail for criticising the team, um, I think that... I, I, so, full disclosure, I, th- I, th- I think I 
probably overreacted a bit yesterday. Certainly yesterday evening was the most despondent I felt as an Argyle fan in years. Um, maybe, you know, the sort of adrenaline rush of getting out of COVID isolation and being able to actually go back into the real world and then having to sit through that was was part of the reason why, as, as opposed to anything particularly exceptional in the in the game. But um, I felt incredibly down in the dumps, really did not cheer up at all, um, you know, on, on Saturday night. Um, but... Uh, I said to myself, I try something a bit different on the on the pod, which is the case for optimism from yesterday. So, for the sake of disagreement, I will I will lay that out if that's okay. Um, I think one could make a case that the penalty was so soft to the point it shouldn't have been given in the ground. I actually thought it was a penalty. It looked like there was a shove. Having watched it back a couple of times on the replay, albeit from a fairly limiting angle, I actually am less sure of that opinion um i think it looks a lot softer on the on the camera than it did in real life and you know obviously the camera angle can be deceptive but i would say that in real life obviously i did only see it once it sort of flashed in front of my eyes and my angle in, in ground wasn't you know right behind the instant or anything so i think you could make a case that that was soft i think you then so yeah well no exactly that's normally your bag but you've been you've gone soft on the ref uh um so uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think it was a howler of a refereeing decision either way. But you could make a case that we were we were unlucky. I guess you can make a case with with the second goal that it sort of, you know, took an unlucky couple of ricochets and just sort of popped out to their lad to stick it in. Um, you could then make a case that Shuey saw what was wrong, responded. You know, I think certainly not, not even playing devil's advocate, we were a lot better at the end of the first half after bringing on. Zaz and May already kept the ball a lot better in their half of the pitch. Obviously, did get a goal back. Um, yeah, this kind of runs aground in the second half where there's not a lot to spin in the optimistic direction. So, I guess more globally, yeah, you, you, I guess you could make the case that with the way we play football, the very open way we play football, um, a lot of the time, we are just going to take some hammerings. Um, the fact that we are in the top two in the league and have conceded five goals on three occasions this season probably suggests that. Um, and while I found Shuey's comments to be inadequate in the in the post-match media in terms of what I wanted to hear him say, um, what he, something he did say is, you know, we decided to go and chase the game and have a go rather than doing damage limitation. That is undisputably true. And, and that did leave holes at the back. And obviously, obviously those were exploited. So... You know, would I rather lose 5-2 than us pull a goal back at 2-1 and not really create any more chances for the remainder of the game and sit back and try and contain them and, and whatever? I don't know if I'd say I'd rather lose 5-2 because I think even when you play more defensively at 2-1 down, you can fashion one more chance and get and get a point out of that. Obviously, we, we played ourselves well out of contention to get anything from the game on numerous occasions on Saturday. So I'm not saying I'd rather that, but like I certainly would rather at some point that they had a go at trying to get something out of the game against a team who were, I thought, one of the poorest teams I've ever seen score five goals. Um, very lively up front, quite dodgy defensively. I mean, we were poor and had several chances to score. Um, you know, so that's the case for optimism. Do I agree with my own case for optimism? Uh, certainly didn't yesterday. <laughs> and I, and I, don't really today either, to be honest. Um, it's certainly not in terms of the performance. I thought we were, were diabolical. Um, and that's me off to jail as well. Um, but but I do think in terms of, I guess the thing that made me most despondent yesterday was just fearing that this will have horrible psychological repercussions for our season. And I think that the part of my optimistic case, which is about the fact that, you know, this has happened before the season and we have bounced back from it, that maybe it was just a function of us kind of chasing the game and having an off day and, and leaving space in behind Time will time will tell on that front, but um, so yeah, may, maybe not the complete disaster I was playing it up as yesterday after you know in, in the heat of the the extended heat of the moment, but um, uh, certainly a, an absolutely diabolical performance, and and you know my case for optimism aside, I think that's probably where I come down on that. In response to John's comment about how we started to flood players forward second half and leaving space in behind, the space was there the whole day. Like, don't know. How for whatever reason, there was just space everywhere on that pitch. And I know we very often always lose the midfield battle and we sometimes can say that it, it's as if we don't have a midfield. We'd have been better off just playing five and five yesterday because whoever we put in midfield was just absolutely ineffective from the first minute. It's That's my biggest issue with how we play at the moment 
And it's sort of how we've played since Ryan Lowe and Stephen Schumacher have come to the club. And I'm very quick to praise it when it goes well. Of course I am. But my big worry is that every week we get completely overrun in midfield. And that's put enormous pressure on that defence. But it's also putting enormous pressure on those up front to create something when we get the chance because we just don't have any control in midfield at the moment and that's a real worry for me. I think for me, uh, especially at Peterborough, that, that we that just our wing-backs were far too high. It just left us, like you said about the space down either side, Saxon early, you, you know, for the, the obviously the first goal, the penalty, you know, that's his fault. That's not a space issue. But the third goal, he's actually absolutely nowhere to be seen and the ball's played down the left and he's almost playing as as a left winger. I think that's why I prefer to see Edwards in a starting lineup, just because um, he offers that balance and, and Gillespie basically almost becomes a left back and, and Mumba goes and does whatever he wants. Yeah, one very quick point. Let's not forget, this is this shouldn't come as a... T- in There's context to what I'm about to say. This shouldn't come as a total surprise. Peterborough have it in them, in particular at home, to just put five past somebody. They do it from time to time. They've always done it. They probably always will do it. It's unfortunate it was against us. And it was also unfortunate that it happened against us on a day that everyone else won by a derby. And that probably just makes it worse from our point of view. But this isn't a total surprise that Peterborough scored five at home. It's just a really, really, really infuriating event that it's us that's on the receiving end of it. It's slightly more infuriating when you look at their last home game, which was a 5-0 smashing by Bolton. Like... Yeah, I get that. Just so hot and cold, right? Like, you can see see how that happened, though, right? Like, even from yesterday, you you can see how that happened because they were they were so open defensively at times. Like, like I said, I thought we were shockingly poor. And and how many big chances have we created? We scored two goals. uh, Just off the top of my head, hit the post with one that could have easily bounced out and been been knocked in. Jordan Houghton should have scored at the near post where he volleyed one over the bar from a knockdown. Um, I think there was a decent save their keeper made from Cosgrove. That was just in the second half when they were down in front of us. Um, Callum Wright burst into their box early, early doors and made the wrong decision. I think from from what I could see at my angle in terms of when to to pass it or shoot, you know, those are big chances. We we could have easily scored five goals yesterday, and, and we were rubbish. Um, again, this is what I was saying about you know about Peterborough. I was not impressed by them. Um, Johnson Clark Harris is, I think the. The, the sort of League One equivalent of Cameron Jerome, I think, far too good for this level, probably not good enough for the level above. Um, but certainly based on last season's evidence at Peterborough, I would say that. Um, they seem to have this kind of endless supply of tricky wingers who are incredibly pacey and direct and and cause problems. So, yeah, they were really good going forward. But you can see how a, a team, a version of that Argyle team that were more organised at the back and more clinical up top could very easily have done what Bolton did to them without much of a, a swing in the in the performance of either side. I don't think it was the case. I, I certainly think it was the case that we were terrible. I don't think it was the case that they were great and that they batted us. And they obviously just play a very open style of football as well. And, and yeah, they came out on the right side of it. Um, but I think they were lucky to come up against us playing the way we did. I'd say for me, Aaron, you sort of mentioned, you know, what's your favourite five-goal defeat this season as a joke? It, it, there's something serious in the question, I think, a little bit, because for me, this was by far our worst performance of the season, I think, as Sam mentioned. And, and I think also, like, certainly in the league, I, I wasn't at Grimsby, so I can't really comment on that. Um, but, it, but in the league, it was it's one of only, what I would consider to be one of only two completely unacceptable performances this season. The other one actually not being the Charlton 5-1 for me, but being the 2-2 at Burton, where I thought we, we just gave them, threw the game away in the first half with a stupid team selection and then conceded a very stupid 98th-minute goal against a woefully poor side. Obviously, didn't lose. Um, you know, for me, I think that was a much worse performance, uh, if not result, than the Charlton 5-1, where, you know, we were down to 10 men and it was just a bit of a freak result. Um, and we actually did show some spirit and fight in the second half. You know, yesterday's game was not in the same category as that Charlton game. We were we were just diabolically poor. And yet, you know, as I said, I, I actually do think the result kind of flipped, flipping on its head would not have required a, an absolutely enormous kind of deviation in the relative level of the team's performances. But maybe that's just me. And the worst thing about getting the occasional hammering is that I don't want to knee-jerk too hard. You know, Bolton have, have two games. They have a midweek game. They play the early Saturday game. Come Saturday, when we play Charlton, we could easily be outside of the top two just on goal difference. Hence why, you know, Sheffield Wednesday pipped us to the to, to first place on goal difference. Like, that, that shoring up that defence is, like, a must. I think I think we need to look at 
uh, other ways to shore up and, and, and maybe even just try a back four where, where, where they all defend and we let Mumba go do what he needs to do. But I'm sure we'll get on to rotation in a minute. Chris Errington and his player ratings for the Herald were slightly comical. I don't know if you've seen this. Every player got a five except Sam Cosgrove, who got a six. I'm not sure how anyone got above a two in truth. Uh, who would you rate the highest there, Sam? Uh, yeah, I am. Um... I do like Chris's Argar reporting, and I think he, he seems a very good guy, but I think his ratings are certainly very on the kind side there, weren't they? Um, okay, who would I get to the best player? Uh, probably Mayor or Zaz. They, they did well off the bench for a while. Even then, second half, they faded out. But like John said, we had a few chances. Most of it seemed to come through those two, carrying the ball forward, progressing it nicely. Um, yeah, I'd go with Zaz with Mayor a runner-up, but they, even then, probably... Probably maybe a five for Mayor and a maybe a high five, maybe a low six for Zav. Certainly not very good ratings for Man of the Match. A high five for Mayor, you'd be lucky. <laughs> a high five for Mayor, but yes. One player I'm not sure deserves a five is uh, Callum Burton. Um, what a week for him. Well, he got, a te- he got a 10 from Chris Errington on Tuesday night, unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken. Which for a player who, for a player who gift wrapped the goal he conceded in normal time in that game also struck me as a bit generous. Obviously, he had that howler in the game on Tuesday, uh, hero in the penalty shootout, and then straight back down to earth on Saturday. Uh, personally, I, I don't want to write the bloke off just yet, but he's got to be doing better for for at least three out of the five of those goals, right? Do we do we need to have a real chat about whether he's good enough to get us out of this league? Do we need like a clickbaity chat and couple that with Nick? Obviously, Nick from PAFC Displays, who was on last week, some good feedback about his pod. He his his question was uh, thoughts on the level of criticism thrown at Burton at the weekend. The other the other ten players outfield didn't really do much to protect him, and one bad result won't define our season. And I answer this by asking another question to the three of you. We lost five two yesterday. If Michael Cooper was in goal, what would the scoreline have been? I'm going to give my answer straight away. We'd have lost four two. Well, Cooper was a goal for both of the other five. The other times we shipped five. So, but again, against a, a massively inferior side. So, I, I would say maybe maybe a three two three two loss. I don't think Burton will feel he should do a hell of a lot better for the fifth goal. I'm not sure any other keeper could have done much. Personally, I don't think Cooper would have done much more about the other four. But, but I'm just. Maybe looking at it from a different angle to other people, but that's Burton should have at least saved the penalty, right after Tuesday. Where was his water <laughs> ball then? I, yeah, <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'll give my comments on this. I think well, what I want to say before I go into a before I get a bit ranty, if I do get a bit ranty, I want to say that I do not think we would have got anything out of that game if the only difference of Michael Cooper being in goal, uh, because it was a free goal margin. I think Cooper certainly wouldn't have made the error for the fifth. I think he, he might have done better for maybe one of the others, maybe, you know, maybe two of the others, but I don't think so. I think I think he would have he would have probably realistically saved one, maybe two of those goals from from going in. Um I think that Burton so far, unfortunately, despite that, has, has not been good enough. I don't think he's had yet cost us points, which is a good thing. But I think that's because he made a howler at Oxford and that was mitigated by us going and scoring at the other end. I think he made a howler at home in Cheltenham. That was mitigated by, admittedly, yes, his own heroics in the shootout. Admittedly, yes, that's true. But it still shouldn't have got to the point of the shootout. And I think he made one howler yesterday and, and maybe one or two more that he could have done a little bit better for yesterday as well. And I think just his general aura is not an aura that projects confidence. He, he does not like Cooper just come and easily collect the cross with, you know, big leap up in the air. He, his kicking is, is, is really not, unfortunately, of the standard of a team like us who... Who wants to try and play out from the back? I say all this with the caveat. I'm an Argyle fan. I want Argyle to do well. And uh, you know, people say don't don't slag people off unnecessarily. I couldn't agree more in terms of personal abuse is absolutely not on. If there has been any, that's totally wrong. But I think I, if I'm being brutally honest in my opinion, I don't think he, he's good enough based on what I've seen thus far. If it turns out to be that he then it massively improves his level of performance and he helps to get promoted and, and, and win the Pizza Cup final, then absolutely I'll, I'll change my view if he. If his performance if his performance is improved, but I think so far, unfortunately, his command of area has been very poor. His kicking has been very poor. Uh, his penalty saving has been very good, but that's you know not something we're going to have to face too much. And his general shot stopping has not been good enough. It's not 
horrendous, but it's not been good enough to make up for the, unfortunately, what I believe to be the inadequacies elsewhere in his game. So I think I, I, I regret to say that, you know, unless he proves me massively wrong, I would be looking at the market to try and bring in a free agent keeper, whether that would have gone straight into the team or, or at the very least to give him a bit of a, a kick up the backside. No, I'm, I'm sure he's not trying. I'm sure he's not, you know, not trying his best. I'm sure he absolutely is trying his best, but I think something needs to change. And I think whether that, whether that is just giving him a, a short, sharp kick up the backside or whether it is actually needing to drop into the team entirely, I don't know. Um, I've got a couple of points on this. Um, in regards to Sam Sony's shot stopping isn't particularly great or up to whatever standard it was. Um, without his shot stopping yesterday, that scoreline could have been considerably worse. Um, and the second question I'll ask, bar, <clears throat> excuse me, bar Michael Cooper's injury against Sheffield Wednesday and the games he's had to play since, how many games has he played in the last couple of years? He's played on average, what, four Pizza Cup games a season? Like, why are we expecting him to suddenly come in and be up to Michael Cooper's standards? I think... I just think we need to... I don't think anyone was expecting that. A lot of people are comparing him to Michael Cooper, which is totally wrong. Well, we need to get we need to get away from the fact that Michael Cooper... We need to stop comparing him to Michael Cooper's level because Michael Cooper isn't going to be our goalkeeper until next season. We need to focus purely on Callum Burton. And we need to purely focus on making sure that the 10 players in front of Callum Burton aren't putting him in the firing line like they did yesterday. And that, that's my piece on it. As you can tell, I'm staunchly the defence lawyer in this podcast for Callum Burton this weekend. Yeah, of course, the other players need to not give him so much to do. And I think in the other games, they probably have not given him a lot to do. Um, yesterday was, was totally different. Yesterday, they were very poor. But I, I think what I would reply to Joe's point is, yes, of course, they're not going to get a keeper as good as Mike Cooper. I think he's firmly the best, think he's the best keeper in this league, certainly for shot stopping uh, and 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 most likely for, for overall play. And I think he will he will go on to play at a heart, far higher level than, than, than ourselves. But but not being as good as Michael Cooper doesn't justify, in my eyes, I'm afraid, how poor how poorly he has played. I think there is very much a median level that we could have reasonably expected from him that's not obviously not as good as Cooper. I don't think anyone in this league really is, is going to be as good as Cooper. Certainly not who we can realistically sign. Um but I, I think when, when when he's made three now big mistakes leading the goals and a lot of a lot of general weaknesses and inadequacies in his play, I think realistically we we need somebody who's certainly not as good as Cooper, but sadly better than Burton. I think I think if we had a keeper who played like a a fairly standard League One keeper with yes some flaws in his game, but but basically more or less competent for the level, I would have taken that. Unfortunately, what we have, and again, I'm really open to being proven wrong, what we have at the moment is a keeper who I think does not appear to be competent for the level that we're playing him at. And that's that's where I have a, a big problem, unfortunately. I think it's easy to compare them on, on shot stopping and distribution and things like that. One of the caveats that you have to make is the fact that Scar went off on that same game injured. We've not, we're not the same team without Scar. The defence recently, the last three, four games, seems to have slowly gone to pot. And then... And in that and in that game, Callum Burton kept a clean sheet. Well, yeah. thanks to VAR. Yeah, as I say, thanks to VAR in League One. But yeah, uh, doesn't 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 matter. I just I just no, I just he, he did okay that the... game. I agree. I would just say on this after that Sheffield Wednesday game, I came on this podcast and I praised Callum Burton um, as being for being as as good as Cooper in that game, which I think is is kind of the point Joe's making here. And obviously, I stand by that. I, I was pleasantly surprised with how he was thrown into a cauldron atmosphere and actually his distribution was calm. Um, he looked composed. He looked assured. Unfortunately, in the games since then, purely based on that evidence, he has not looked as composed. He's not looked as assured. And as Sam says, and I'm not sure I would be quite as harsh as Sam necessarily on, on all those points, but as Sam says, he has made mistakes that have cost us goals. Um, you know, I don't want to answer Joe's question, what would the score have been with Michael Cooper in goal yesterday? Because I think it's kind of a silly hypothetical question. Obviously, having a different keeper, especially the best in the league available, will will not only be a kind of pound for pound, would they have saved those exact shots comparison? It's they would have radiated confidence forward through the defence. You know, the, the dynamic of the game would have been different. But if we're talking about how many of those goals is Burton at fault for, certainly the fifth one, um, hugely at fault, both in terms of the kick and, and as far as I can see from looking at the replays of it, um, you know, they should have done better with the shot. I think there are elements of the third and fourth goals where you could argue that he could do better. 
certainly I don't think yesterday was um, by any means his worst performance of, of the ones we've seen recently. I certainly don't think that um, he was at fault for us losing. Clearly it was an, an all-round team uh, clusterfuck uh, that was responsible for that. But it can also be true at the same time that he has looked on the evidence of the games that, that we've seen on the whole like he is struggling um, for whatever reason. Now, whether that's to do with his natural level or whether it's a confidence thing, because look, I mean, the guy's been thrown into a, an incredibly pressurised situation. I would not, it's not a situation I would want to be in. Um, and I think, you know, saving those three penalties, while it doesn't make up for some of the mistakes in what I consider to be the more important league games was a great moment for him. And I think, you know, showed, you know, some degree of mental fortitude. But, you know... I think it, there are if there are any if there are any keepers available on a free who are realistic players we could sign. I think sentiment and, and sort of you know being nice has to go out of the window. We are in a promotion battle. We need a promotion quality, experienced goalkeeper for this level. And at the moment, I think it's pretty clear based on the evidence I've seen. I, I would agree with Sam. I don't think we have it in between the sticks. And I, and I take no pleasure, genuinely take no pleasure in saying that. Um, you know, if there is anyone available who has played at this level before, even if they're getting on a bit, you know, and who who would be a good fit for the club, I think we should just bite the bullet and get them in. Even if it's someone to, you know, maybe even someone to sit on the bench and, and give Burton a bit of a, you, you know, competition, even if it's just for that. Um, because at the moment, I think the situation is is looking like it's it's the one thing where beyond this being kind of a freak result on Saturday, that is is one of the things where it's looking like this is sort of a, an actual durable disadvantage that we have going into the final stretch compared to the rest of the season. Um, and it does concern me. But I see Joe vigorously shaking his head so that the defence may present their, the defence council may present their argument. Thank you very much, Your Honour. I just find this whole discussion, frankly, absurd and ridiculous. Um, I just think we should move on personally but like why why are we now gonna suddenly start tearing people apart on their ability um is if, if that's the route we're going to go down then we might as well just push the implode button on the season because that is and i'm not trying to be the happy clapper green tinted glasses wearing person on all this but if that's the route that we as a fan base and we as a club want to take off the back of one result. And I accept that the Oxford goal was a howler and he was joint at fault for the goal on Tuesday night against Cheltenham. We shouldn't be exonerating James Bolton from any blame for that goal either. Um, that If we're just going to point fingers and tear people apart for their ability, then we might as well just give up, frankly, and start again next year because that's just not going to get us anywhere. Well, ability is quite an important part of being a goalkeeper. I don't think that's what we're doing. I don't think we're... Like, there are people who are tearing him apart. You're, you're, hang on a minute. You're, you're saying we need to go out and sign someone? Yes, because... So you're because, saying he's not good enough? Because I paid money to watch the football match and have now been invited on a podcast to give my opinion about the football match. And that is my opinion. It's not... It's You know, it's not... It's not it's not slating him. I don't think it's it's slating him. And, and also, like, I, I don't I don't claim that on the basis. But you've just of said he wasn't good enough. You've just said we need to sign no. another goalkeeper. So for whatever reason, his performances have not been good enough on the whole, and I stand by that. Whether he is capable of doing much much better than this or not, his true ability, I have not seen enough of him to say, and I don't know. What I'm saying is, I don't want to necessarily leave it down to finding out between now and the end of the season if there is an option we can get in who has a track record of being an experienced pair of hands who's played a lot of football matches at this or a higher level in a promotion in a promotion race. If we were petering out into mid-table obscurity, I'd be more than happy with Callum Burton um, in between the sticks until Cooper comes back. But we're not. And fine margins matter. And again, I'm not making comments about the guy's true ability because I simply don't know. But just based on the evidence I've seen, he is making costly mistakes in almost every game. That, and, goals, I don't think, and I don't think that's slating him or unfairly criticizing him to say. I just think it's the reality of what of what I have witnessed with my eyes as a as a football fan. Sorry to say it. Let's look at a handful of the goals he's conceded. Where, all right, Burton was at fault for the Oxford goal. He wasn't helped by the fact Nigel Longvite committed a stupid foul, having given the ball away on halfway. So a player in front of him hasn't helped him out. You look at yesterday, a penalty, 50-50 chance of saving it. It's not his fault Saxon early had a head loss moment at the back post. All right, yes, he could have and should have done better with a fifth goal. Look at all the other errors that led to Peterborough goals yesterday. It's not just him 
making errors. He's not being helped at the moment by those players in front of him. And right now, that is a far greater worry for me than what the goalkeeping situation is. If the if the prosecution may present their their, their closing argument, um, no, I, I, I look, I agree. It's not just him him making errors. I think I think he's making unfortunately. The, the the most errors and the worst errors with the most consistency over and just generally not projecting an air of confidence. It's not about being personal here. Look, saying we're going to want to go out and sign someone isn't isn't a bad thing. Well, look, we, well, it, well, if it is a bad thing, it's not a personal thing. We went out and signed a load of players uh, in the summer of 2021 because I mean, our whole defence wasn't good enough. That doesn't mean I hate them as human beings or didn't want them to do well for the club. It was saying they weren't good enough and we signed better players to improve. At the moment, I think that's what we should do with a goalkeeper. If we if we do not do that, or 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 if we don't, you know, or if we or if we do that and the player comes on the bench and Burton then puts us two great performances, fantastic. He's proved me wrong. I, I I want us to do well and I want him to do well. But at the moment, I I think unfortunately he is the area of our squad that it's giving me the most concern. I mean, I'm not. I'm certainly don't get me wrong. I'm certainly not happy with Longbike at the moment either. He after having a very good run of form in the games against Bolton and Ipswich, you think Rowe's really growing into the shirt really, you know, really going to go from a boy to a man and showing how good he can be. He then has to run a poor before. So don't get me wrong, I'm not happy with um, Longbike. I'm not happy with him either. But I think it is a little bit different when it's a defender. Because it's one of a back three. We've got several waiting in the wings. I think when it's the keeper, it, it is different because we've only got one player waiting in the wings. And he's someone who, <laughs> with all due respect, uh, finished with a Dover Athletic season with, with zero points. So I think it is, it is different when Burton's doing poorly to when Longbike is. I think for that reason... I would look at signing a new free agent keeper, but look, I really hope he proves me wrong. And and the judge has finally ruled that Joe is released from jail after criticising the side earlier for defending Callum Burton, and me and Sam are in jail for criticising both the team and Callum Burton. Yes, yeah, so we've got a life, we've got a life sentence. Yeah, on a life on a on a, a mandatory minimum life sentence for criticising the team and one of the players. So off to jail we go. As much as you jest, I think the only thing I can add is after Tuesday night, he must have been on an absolute high, must have had the week of his life, absolutely buzzing to get 16 minutes into the next league game and Saxon only gives that away. Like It's just, I'd hate to be him right now. That's all I'm going to add. Um, we have got quite a few Twitter questions, so let's get on with those because some of us have other things to do. Uh, rotation, rotation, rotation. Sounds like a Dion Dublin midday BBC One program. Uh, general consensus online seems to be the over-rotation of the matchday squad as a whole is a large factor in the recent decline in performances. Do we think that Schumacher needs to settle down, pick the strongest 11 and stick with it and let it settle? And it's a view shared by a few of the Twitter questions, uh, namely Jack, who adds, it's all well and good having a big squad for depth and injuries, but it's becoming disruptive and makes us disjointed changing it up every week. Yeah, I agree with those who say we're rotating too much. Um, I think that a degree of rotation is fine. It's great to have depth in the squad, but I think it's been a new challenge for Shuey to have that level of depth since January. Uh, not really a luxury he's had, certainly not to this extent at any point in his manage- short managerial career so far. And I think he's gone, my, my, you know, again, he knows more about football management than I do. I think he's gone far too far the other way with it. Um, I think that... It can be a bit of a deceptive one because we could have started a completely different team yesterday and still got battered and likewise could have, you know, when people hail his genius for changing, you know, changing it all up against Portsmouth at home, we could have played a completely different side in that game and won it. You know, it's it's not, it's not, it's hard, it's hard to judge these things because, you know, there are counterfactuals there. But I think a couple of things, you know, that being said, would seem to be true. It seems like he's being too nice. It seems like players are expected to take turns in the side and turns completely out of the squad. Um, and I don't know if that's the case, but just based on his com- some of his comments in the media and the kind of pattern of rotation, it seems like he's trying to keep people happy. Obviously, that in itself is a laudable goal, but I think there are, I think it's emerging that we have stronger players than others, um, certainly among the January signings. And I think if some of them need to spend a bit more time on the bench or out of the squad, um, and again, I think we're talking here about mostly young players who will have a future at the club as well. This isn't trying to write anyone off, but just in the short term, I think he needs to he needs to just sort of decide who his who his best players are and and who his slightly weaker ones are and not be afraid to just pick the best players. Um, then I think there's you know the second sort of factor I think which holds true despite the kind of counterfactual nature of this is that he's very clearly setting up which he always has done the team to play the other team that we're playing and I think 
to an extent, he's had a, a great deal of success in doing that. But I think even when, you know, I say even when, as if it was ages ago, you know, even when we've been winning every week or almost every week, there have been games where setting up our team to match what he expects the other team to do hasn't really worked and he's had to change it mid-game, which I think is his greatest strength as a manager is making those those mid-game changes. And I think I've always said that I think he does that too much. I think he should trust our strengths a bit more. Um, and I think in the last few weeks, that's that's been on display. For me, there are certain names that just should be on the team sheet every week. Um, Jay Matete, despite the fact I think he's been below his usual standards in the last couple of games, is clearly an unbelievably talented player in this league. He should always be in that midfield two or, or you know, potentially a midfield one if we're changing the formation. But but I think generally a two. He should be in there. Finazaz. At minimum, Finazaz or Danny Mayer, but I think possibly both of them should probably be first names on the team sheet. Certainly Azaz, who for me, again, has dipped a bit below his level, but I think is just, in terms of quality, just gives us so much in terms of getting us up the pitch, even when he's not personally firing with every single touch. That's just my view of it, but but I think there are names that need to become, you know, and I think defensively he's got, you know, in terms of the back three anyway, it seems like he's got those fixture names and you could just debate whether those are the right people or not, but it does seem like when fit, there's a first choice back three. Beyond that, certainly in the kind of more forward-looking positions, I don't know if he knows what his best side is. Uh, and if he does know who his favourite players are out of those, I don't know if he has the confidence to play them, or, or maybe not the confidence, but it seems like, he's setting the team up to play the opposition a bit more than maybe he needs to when we are in the top two for a reason. And that's because we're good at what we do. So it's a long winded way of saying, I agree. I think I agree with those who are saying that we're, we're chopping and changing too much. And I think it's an answer that I would stick to, even if we had won, you know, the last two league games rather than dropping points. I don't, don't want to sound like I'm just being fickle on this because we've had a couple of poor results and suddenly he doesn't know what he's doing. It's something I've been thinking for a while, even when the results have been good. I don't think it's a necessary factor in our success. And and I kind of hope he calms it down a bit between between now and the end of the season would be my view on it. Joe, I feel like you're going to have a counter on that. But but before you do, and I feel like you're going to touch on it anyway, can you um, fill us in on Shuey's post-match interview where he talks about tiredness and a busy week? I feel like you're going to touch on it anyway, so I'll just preempt it. Are you like telepathic or something and you know exactly what I'm going to say? Um, my only my only argument to what John says, and it is what Schumacher came out and said after the game, is that um, that was our fifth game in how many days? Um, there was a real push on the squad. I know there'll be many people at home listening to this, rolling their eyes, all their professional footballers, they're paid to do it. Do you, think, their... you think many people listen to this? No. All right, the four people who listen to this. They'll all be sat there thinking that, you know, they're professional footballers and they should be able to cope with five games in 17 days or whatever it was. Um, but it is it is tough. And in some of those games, we were pushed a long way and we did have to put a lot of physical effort into them. Um, so I can understand it to that extent. I can see what... Look, I, we sort of touched upon this last week. I can sort of see where people are coming from with the over-rotation and the amount of changes... Um, I stand by what I said last week that no one complained when we made eight changes against Portsmouth and won. We then made another four or five in the midweek against Oxford. No one complained about it there because we won. Um, it's you know it's it's just highlighted by the poor defeats um, or the poor defeat this week and the draw against Fleetwood. Um, but I also agree with John to an extent that I'm beginning to wonder now, um, post the January transfer window, if actually any of us know what our best side is because I wouldn't be confident in saying what our best 11 is personally. Now that was going to be my next question, but I'm aware that we've, we've spoken a lot tonight already, but um, it is the fact that there is no, you know, you could argue that 14, 15 of them make the starting 11. I'm not, I'm not just quickly to respond to Joe. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, no rotation, pick the same team every week. And obviously factors like injury, tiredness, and yeah, tactical appropriateness based on the opponent opponent will come into it. But what I'm saying is, you know, probably without you know having a fitness report on him every day delivered into my inbox, Jay Matete is someone who has not played an enormous amount of first-team football at his parent club this season, a strut who seems to be an incredible athlete based on what we've seen of him. I don't know if he's someone who's, who's suffering with tiredness. I doubt it. And then, you know, Zaz obviously has come back from an injury. Maybe it's too optimistic of me to say he should start every single game. But Azaz or Mayer could presumably start every single game. And they are not the same player, but they're a similar type of player who I think bring a lot in terms of just gluing the ball in an opponent's half and dictating the play in that kind of in and around the box area 
in a way that, for example, on Saturday, Callum Wright, um, as much as I think he's got a lot of promise in behind two strikers, doesn't it, just, it, it doesn't have that same kind of gluey effect in that area of the pitch. And there's no question on Saturday that that was a tactical problem for us because we found that the ball was coming back at us a lot. Because even though we were getting up the pitch fairly well, if we lost it, or we didn't make the most of our chance. We weren't sort of slowing down playing and dictating it on our terms, in my opinion, in that final third until Azaz and Mayer both came on and started to do that a lot better for, for a spell. Um, and obviously, then we let ourselves down with defensive mistakes. But, you know, I, I just think it's about having not necessarily the same players every single week necessarily, but like it, it just seems like it's a complete almost every week is a sort of completely different system. And, and yeah, I think disjointed was the word that one of our Twitter interlocutors used. I think I, I would to some extent, agree with that. Especially that, post those changes, yeah. right? Like, there, was, there was a period where we made those changes and I had absolutely no idea what the formation was or what we were doing. Or It was working for a bit. We got the goal from it and then it just... I, I, I was very confused, but... Darren, yeah. Darren Ferguson admitted himself that it took him a few minutes to work out what Argyle had actually done. So, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's not just us mere mortals who get confused by it all. <laughs> I would firmly describe Darren Ferguson as a mere mortal myself. I don't know. <laughs> Sam, you've barely spoken tonight, so I'm going to give you the next question. I feel like we've spoken about that enough. The next question comes from Finn Sodergren. I'm sorry if I've butchered your name. Most probably have. Who asks, is Wembley going to be a distraction? Uh, and I'll caveat that with um, with with Bolton labour to a 2-1 win over Port Vale. Accrington got a 0-0 against Burton, whilst, um, whilst Cheltenham got hammered 4-0 by Portsmouth. You stopped quite suddenly. I thought you were. I thought you said I had more to get more to go on your question. We can't let this be a huge distraction, right? Obviously, we, the big month coming up. We've got Charlton and Derby at home, Barnsley away, Forest Green at, um, at home. Away, oh, yeah, at home. Uh, yeah, at, obviously, yeah, yeah. obviously, Accrington away. Five games in in the, in the month of March. How many points? And is um, Wembley going to be a distraction? Right. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. So, is Wembley going to be a distraction? I don't think so. I, I think for all. The problems that this team, you know, we, we have spoke about tonight with how poorly we played on Saturday. We've touched on Burton. We've touched on over-rotation. I don't think a problem I've, I've seen this team show at all this season is just not, not being up for games in terms of not, you know, in terms of having their eyes on bigger things or in terms of not dispatching the, the lesser teams of the league, if you like. Generally, when we've had a big game coming up, we we, we have got the points against the lesser teams in the meantime. You know, maybe, yes, there have been times where, we, where we've switched off in games, but when we went one up against MK and then equalised, but that's going off on a tangent. My main point I'm getting here is that I don't think this team are in any way a bunch of billy big-timers who are going to be, you know, thinking about what suit they're going to get for Wembley or thinking of the, the bright lights of Wembley. I don't think that's what this group are about. And I... I certainly don't think that it's going to prove a distraction in that way. Yes, I think the the excess of games played might be a problem because that that sort of causes the over rotation, if you like. Um, so I, I know that you said moving on for the last question, but I think it kind of ties in in that respect. And I think often, yes, we are rotating too much. But I think I would like to see us just have a bit more of a consistent team. Yes, with some amendments, but certainly not this business of five, six, seven or eight changes every game. So I think it might cause a problem in that way, but not in the way of being psychologically distracted. Um, that being said, I have just remembered our kind of worst form last season did come before the Chelsea game. So please let's not see a repeat of that. Um, so, but yes, I don't think, I don't think it will prove a big psychological distraction. Uh, so in terms of how many points. So I think we want, I think you have to divide it because I think you have to look at the next three and separate from the ones after, because the next three are all tough games. Charlton are a tough opponent on on you know current form. They're on a bit of an uptick of form. They seem to be a bit of a bogey side for us, but probably a side that are a better team than their league position indicates. Uh, Derby, albeit they're on a very kind of poor last three games, they're, they're, they're certainly a very good team and will prove a very tough test. And Barnsley are just absolutely flying. They're the most on-form team in the league. They're very good at home. They look a very, very scary prospect uh, at the moment. So, yes, I do think that those next three are very tough. I think I would, well, probably probably even take four out of the next three, but then I really then think we need to be looking at getting a good run out of Forest Green, Accrington, and then going into Morecambe and Lincoln on, on, over Easter weekend. I think that that, four, that run of four games themselves is a, is a run that we really should be getting close to maximum points uh, from. Seven minutes left in the Zoom. Let's jump on. You also said there that, that Charlton are on a team on the up. Obviously, next up, 
Charlton ventured down to Home Park at the weekend and they obviously suffered a 1-0 defeat at the hands of champions-elect Sheffield Wednesday at the hashtag Fill the Valley Stadium, as it's now more commonly known. Uh, a 6-0, a 2-0 and a 5-1 defeat in recent games. Uh, as you mentioned, Charlton will always feel like one of our bogey sides. Uh, we need a huge bounce back on this one. Do we have any initial thoughts? Any match predictions, Joe? We must win. I know it's the first week of March. Um, people might chuckle, people might agree, people might disagree, but I can't help but get away to think that this is an absolute must-win um, if we're just going to steady the ship. Um, as for predictions, well, um, the longer it stays nil-nil, the more tense and nervy it will be inside home park. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the players have got tomorrow. We're recording this on a Sunday, so the players have got Monday off. Um there's going to have to be a response and it's going to have to be a bloody big one. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not going to waffle on, um, but I think that it's a big period of games coming up for our season. Yes, it absolutely is. I wouldn't go as far as describe it as must win, just because I do think we have got this slightly favourable run coming up, coming up after the Barnsley game. So I wouldn't go as far as to call it a must win, but I think if we... I think if we lose, the sense of, or or maybe even if we draw, that the sense, depending on how we play, the sense of nervousness that seems to be like Joe said, you know, discontentment seems to be very palpable at the moment. Look, it, it feels such a shame to even be discussing it in this way because we are second in the league. We are performing so far above our budget, above our probably our squad level and above our expectations. I think we all sort of said this season probably we'd be flirting with the playoffs if we got into the playoffs. It'd be great. So it feels a shame in a way that we are just going into games nervous and, and sort of stressed out because I, you know what John said, enjoy the road. I, I want to be enjoying the ride, but I'm finding it so tough to enjoy the ride. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, looking down, I'm at the top of roller coaster, looking down and, and feeling very nervous. So I'm, yeah, I'd love a win. And I, and I think a win would, would absolutely calm a lot of the nerves that have developed over the last week or so. But if we don't, then we're still in a position that we can very much um, recover from, for sure. Um, I've still got six talking points on my notes. So let's skip that and let's just finish with a, a nice, easy question. Um, obviously, George Cooper has recently signed for Warrington Rylands in the Northern Premier League, while Nathan Blissett has been released from ASC Telford. Does this further cement the great work that the current recruitment team are doing especially when compared to the last. A nice little easy one for you to finish. Well, it was the current team we brought in, George Cooper, wasn't it? More or less. Which do you slip, certainly. Yeah, good point. That was... <laughs> That's kind of ruined the premise of your question, hasn't it? I think George Cooper was pretty much the biggest mistake of, of, the, of the current recruitment team, for sure. Um, but it was a mistake that kind of, you know, made sense at the time because he had just come off a very good season for us. We didn't know that he was going to be played with fitness injuries and possible attitude injuries, depending on who you listen to. But at the time, it was a signing that made sense. It was it was a it was a bad uh, signing, um, and his career's gone down the toilet, really. But I can understand why we did it at the time. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, nice. There's like I said, there's five other things to talk about, but I'll just I'll just put them onto next week. So let's hope that Charlton is a really uneventful game. Actually, just quickly, one thing I do want to mention before we go, uh, props to Ryan Perks and the women's side. Two huge wins this week. The first, a 1-0 win over Bridgewater United at Salt Ashes, Waterway Stadium. Goal from Amber Pollock, the difference there. Followed up by a 4-1 win over Cheltenham Town on Sunday. It's, those two wins see them climb out of the relegation zone into eighth, which is massive for the club, punching well above their weight at the moment. And if they can stay up, that's absolutely brilliant again. Amber Pollock on fire recently, uh, three goals over the two. It's just great to see. Sounds good to me. Cheers, boys. Enjoyed the debates. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Joe. Thank you, Aaron. I'm off to enjoy my freedom away from podcast jail for a week while the other two sit and wallow in their cells. Yes, speak to you soon. Bye. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. 
every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.